0: We confess in our chaos, in our disorientation, in our crazy lives, in our fracturedness, in our spaces of anger and pain, in our morning, days, and nights of anxiety we can lose sight of you. We confess that. We have a deep need for you, God. And a deep desire to transcend the fractured realm and to live confidently and humbly in the kingdom of God. I ask today that you would help each of us to take a step in that direction, that your grace would enable us to do what we couldn't do before we came here today. Not because we're here, but because you are here with us. So to you be the power and glory and honor. Amen. We are on our fourth week, our last week, of the series Be Thou My Wisdom. I hope some of you guys are getting some gray hairs after four weeks. A little bit of honest wisdom. A little bit of experience. And our confession from the beginning is that wisdom uh, has been tipped upside down. That we have valued, you know, information overload and busy and just chatter. Over simple truth. And so we've been sort of reorienting ourselves, inviting us to do things we wouldn't normally do in a society that's used to rushing around. We've asked you to stop, to be still, to enter into spaces of quiet, to Assume humility in all places. To turn on an active ear towards others out of respect and love. To walk as children of God in anticipation of His greatness. We want to live wise. We want to live wise. Henry Mattis, says, to look at something as though you have never seen it before takes great courage. I want you to hold that in the back of your mind as we discuss this final topic today. Today we live in a world of boundaries where we have to constantly maneuver through society's norms, others' offenses, Spousal, relational, social cues, avoiding landmines. We have to interpret faces without words. Sometimes words without faces if we're on our phones. We are living on an anxious edge, constantly in a space of rising tumult and disorder ready to pop, ready to break, ready to act, or should I say, react. Easily offended and equally ready to give offense to others. Some of us live there intuitively. Both spaces suffer. Both spaces produce a death in us. They turn our eyes towards others. We learn to look through suspicion, to assume the worst. We think the worst of things, of outcomes and of people. We are training ourselves for this kind of World War Z, if you will. And in the midst of all these boundaries that we're managing and things that we're trying to work out, few of us know our own boundaries and even those of us who do rarely observe them you are constantly crossing your own boundaries your own limitations we're disregarding the hedges that reality has taught us experience has taught us pushing ourselves chasing our dreams Making it happen. Few of us know our boundaries. God has made us of heart, mind, body, and spirit, each with their own capacity. Do you know your capacity? We keep giving ourselves to the idea that more means more, when perhaps less could mean more. We've taught ourselves to live in a spirituality of growth, but has it occurred to you that there are seasons for growth? You are not always growing. Things are meant to have a beginning and an end. There is pruning and fruit to be experienced. But we want to always be in the culture of productivity, multiplication, addition. And yet, the kingdom of God is a narrow road, and few find it. Subtraction also matters to God, humility matters to God. Simplicity matters to God, but these are things that can only be experienced as far as we respect the boundaries in which we have been created to flourish and live well in. This heart, mind, body, and spirit that God has made is telling us this all the time. We feel the fatigue, whether we want to or not, when we are overdoing it. How many of you woke up this morning and just like, could barely get out of bed. Is it your mind? Is it your body? Is it your spirit? Our bodies keep the score when we disrespect it. Our minds without boundaries take on a mind of their own. As we give our attention to things without question that begin to influence it and even poison it. We drink poison when we don't consider our limitations. Meanwhile, our spirit and our heart are longing for health, but we continue to fill it with temporary antidotes, half-measured solutions, because just a little more, and maybe if then, all in service of a multitude of forces at play in you, and then we repeat our pattern the next day. Proverbs 4.23, we started with at the beginning, and I feel like this is a good time to bring it back at the end. It's going to come up on the screen here. It says this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, you, like, the only reason you would need to actively engage in guarding your heart is if your heart was susceptible to being unhealthy, to disorder, to disillusion, to pain, to, to all the things. And so, above all else, guard your heart. Is this priority one? Where does it fall in the line of the many things that you must do? What if this is the only thing you had to do? And by doing this, you would find the freedom you might might be chasing by ignoring this. Have you thought about that? that a guarded heart might produce the kind of life that can experience one another and God without being so easily offended, without being so easily distraught, without being so easily dunked in the tank of anxiety, without being covered in shame or guilt or all the things that we attach? Is it possible that a guarded heart would allow you to live free of those oppressions? that it would protect you from the spirit of the age and the things that want to devour you. But we would have to have a humility to do that. We would have to have a reverence for God to say, this is good for us. For everything you do flows from it. Every single thing you've ever done in your life was, an, it was a result of exactly who you have become. Our heart is who we are. Our experiences and choices are simply the fruit of our heart. So today I want to invite us to have the courage that Henry speaks of that I quoted earlier to take a fresh look, to stop and consider again what is it that is I'm letting impact who I am. What is it that I'm giving myself to? Am I in a good place? What is enough? What is too much? To take fresh eyes and say, what are my honest limitations? And might those limitations be good teachers in my life? Or must we always try to sustain the high of more, the new, and the next? Or must we always continue to measure ourselves to others? Must we keep upping the game, spending our energy, exhausting, valuable time for Valueless things. The effects of the worldview of progress are devastating. the The trap of comparison in living in that space is like living in a pinball machine. It's chaos. One author says it like this, we are living in a revolving hallway of mirrors, which themselves are being mirrored by other mirrors, and it has created infinite mirrors. And because of it, we now have a very fragile kind of human being. We are living in spaces and participating in activities based on things that aren't so, based on things that need not be, based on illusions of what could be or will be. You are invited to live on solid ground. We don't have to wake up in the morning and think, how can I be important today? How can I win and be victorious? How can I fix it? We don't have to live in the narrative of what else can I do? The truth stands contrary to to that kind of living. We read about it in the scriptures. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says this. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Or excuse me. Whoever has understanding is even tempered. I had another translation up here. Now think about this for a second. Contrary to how we might think about things, the one who has knowledge uses words with limits, restraints. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. And yet we live in a space of constant chatter and constant emotional energy. But wisdom tells us that there's a better way. Limits are good. In Ecclesiastes, we read this story that's buried in there that I I, I just don't know the last time I saw it or even thought about it until this week. But I think it speaks really well to this idea. If you'll turn there to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, going to be in verse 13 through 18 i want to encourage you to follow along in your own bible because you might want to highlight some things or take note or just read it for yourself but this is what it says i also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me there was once a small city with only a few people in it And a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built a huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man, so I said, Wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise Are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons, but one sinner, excuse me, weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Now just leave that there for a second and think about this passage for a moment. You need to note here the obvious, but I'm going to say it just in case. The city is small. And the king is great. When is enough enough for a great king? In this story here, we see that the king has to take even the small city with few people in it. Regardless of the fact that he already has a title, he already has an army, (coughs) he already has countries, he's going to take the small city. This is how people live, by the way. We are kings and queens of our little worlds. And we live sort of imperialistically. Like, if I can accumulate this or take on this or have this thing. When is enough enough? No restraints. No limits. No capacity, well, to say no or... To hear no. No reward was truly satisfying for this king. Nothing was ever enough. In this small city with few people, even it in its smallness has its lowest point. It has this poor man that lives in it. And this small city that finds itself in distress doesn't turn to its few people, it turns to the invisible person in the room. It turns to the man without title, without measure, without greatness, without all these things. But this little poor man has one thing that this great king does not have. This poor man has wisdom. Unnoticed before by these few people in this small city. Likely slighted by the city as a poor man. But here he is giving himself freely giving his wisdom freely for the sake of others, and he gets nothing in return. He doesn't have need for it or use for it. You don't see in the story that after he saves the city, he goes out and says, excuse me, can I get my badge of honor? Can I have a street named after me? No, in fact, he gets the opposite. They forget about who he is and despise his wisdom. But nowhere here does it begin to suggest that the poor man is any less or any more. Because this poor man has all that he needs. He is living in a different universe altogether. He's living in a space in reality that allows him to not have to conquer every day. For all that matters is that God has conquered his life. This is the picture that we're given here. Simplicity. When was the last time? I know we all say we want it, but who treasures it? Who looks at that and goes, wow, I just, whew, if only I could have the simplicity that they have. If only I could have the, the few things that they have. What if it wasn't about the title or the raise or the, any of that? It was about living well in the place of humility. And by doing so, contrary to belief, you now become a greater asset for the world than you could be if you had everything you think you wanted. This is why simplicity, historically, at least for the mystics, is considered the work of justice. Because people that live without needing to have can function in a way that doesn't take, rob, or steal. And we do it almost without even knowing. We live in that way, so easily offended, so easily ready to offend others, shedding blood as we go, all in the name of protecting the thing, the little invisible thing that we ignore. And this leads to a death, this This is the puffing up that we talked about in week one. But it's also the deflating of self-hate. People generally will go one way or the other. Colossians 3 talks about it this way, and I want to read it through this lens. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a friend. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Please highlight that. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. It is not your own reputation. It is not the accolades of others. Have you positioned your life, and are you making decisions in your life that are in service to God or in service to something else? And you'll know it. You'll know it. We do know. Jesus talks about it like anything short of living in union with God is like a branch that's ready to be put out by flames. That's how Jesus talks about it. John 15, verse 5 through 6. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's where fruit comes from. Apart from me, you can't bear fruit. You might bear paychecks. You might bear accreditations. But the fruit that gives life, that gives meaning, The fruit that matters, you can't have that apart from Christ. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's strong language, but Jesus is saying something really simply. He's just saying living outside of him causes destruction. That's just real. That's the pride. The hate. The life that doesn't watch itself, that doesn't respect the lane that God has invited us to live in, the life that doesn't observe the boundaries is a dangerous life. The life that chooses to live in, outside of the branch could be far better lived in the branch. I was talking to my brother about this. He said, like, anything you do in anxiety, you could do better not in anxiety. <laughs> and you could exchange anxiety for anger or for all sorts of things that are outside of the branch. Live well. Choose wisdom. But it means restraint, limits, which is how you respect God and your brothers and sisters in the room. When we live outside of our limitations, other people are hurt every time. We create worlds of hurt when we live beyond our means. We see that everywhere we look when we go outside. The strange irony here is that life with limits is a life without lack. Life with limits is a life without lack. That's why modesty and simplicity in these things are so good for us. God gives us the law of love. That's the course that we live in. That's the discipleship road that we walk. That's what enables us to say yes or no and teaches us what to say yes or no to. Now that law of love is not the source, but it is the course. The source is God's love itself which is the only thing without limits without boundaries and it is readily available for you in all measures there's more of it than you, you you could ever ask for and by receiving God's love and allowing it to enter into you God's love helps organize us in a way that lives In the course of love, the law of love, the kingdom of God, the narrow path, however you want to talk about it, it is God's love that enables us to begin to walk that road. And the road of wisdom is a road. We must choose to stay in it. I want to invite us to take a minute or two in silence and to consider what are the limits, what are the boundary lines in which God is inviting me into. Let God's voice speak to your heart and may it be a reception of God's abundant and available love. My desire is that you would experience Christ. The huge God we serve wants to speak to your inner heart. have new eyes and new years today. Take a minute with him, and after a little bit, a poem by Loretta Rosa is going to come on the screen. But first, take a few minutes to just hear God's voice, and then let the words of this poet wash over you.